And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything's potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots. Welcome to Anything is Potable! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King. Ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you the morning after the Celtics beat the Philadelphia 76ers 126-117 in their opening night matchup. Jalen Brown had 35 points. Jason Tatum had 35 points. Grant Williams and uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I think, got close to 30 points off the bench. Joel Embiid was fatigued uh, in the second half. I think everything that you wanted to see as a Celtics fan uh, came true in that opening night game. Joe Mazzula got his first win. Jay, what's your biggest takeaway from that game after seeing the Celtics? I, I wrote initially dominate the 76ers but you know they only won by a nine points so I don't know if that's a fair assessment I just think their offense has stood out from the second that they hit preseason the offense has been sharp the offense has had ball movement the offense has played fast the offense Malcolm Brogdon off the bench has made a major difference um I think the early takeaways, and it's super early, and obviously things can change, but the earliest takeaway from this Celtics team is that this offense has a chance to score a ton of points. To shoot 56.1% in the season opener and to have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have no problems with a 76ers defense that added P.J. Tucker and DeAnthony Melton and already had Joel Embiid it's just really impressive. And and to do it without Robert Williams, with Al Horford getting in early foul trouble, Noah Vonley playing the most minutes he's played since 2019 in an NBA game. Like I think this offense has a chance to be really, 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 really good. And they weren't even like they didn't shoot amazing from three last night. I think there's only thirty-four percent like their shots from two point range uh, was pretty impressive. Now they did like knock down a lot of mid range shots. Jason Tatum was on fire. Jalen Brown knocked down some shots, Malcolm Brogdon, but I think they got a lot of points in transition and a lot of points at the rim. And I think their defense turned to early offense and they really did a good job of getting out and turning those steals into points. And I just like, if you look at their shot chart, just so many of the points in the paint that were just easy buckets for them. Um, and it, that on top of uh, the half court efficiency, I think you tweeted out like what their points per possession were in the, in the half court last night, but it was something like what, like 125. Uh, yeah. I think it ended up at 120 
points per 100 plays, which is just really, really sharp. It's absolutely insane. Uh, and, th- like, doing that uh, all without Robert Williams is impressive. I just – the Tatum and Brown were, were special, but, I like, the thing that stuck out to me was Brogdon. Like, he came in, he just his drive, drive and kick game, his ability to get to the basket, his ability to make plays – it's just there's no let up with this Celtics offense. There's no point in which, uh, well, I say that the start of the fourth quarter, it was a Brogdon only lineup uh, and smart Jalen and Jason went to the bench. They quickly went away for that after it didn't work for the first two minutes, but just having him out there and having depth of a guy who can just create offense like that, uh, either getting to the rim with the ease to which he gets to the rim, his finishing around the rim, and then his also his playmaking, just makes it so there is no let up in this Celtics offense for all 48 minutes. And I thought that was one of the better adjustments Missoula made in the second half. Um, we saw a lot of Noah Vonley, way more Noah Vonley than anyone was expecting, probably more than Noah Vonley was expecting. A lot of that had to do with early foul trouble. But I think it, Missoula went a little bit smaller in the second half and just kind of um allowed the Celtics to kind of attack with their speed I thought they did a good job of being very aggressive on defense but it just made their offense pretty unstoppable uh especially when when Brogdon was out there with kind of the main starters yeah I'm I'm interested to see how the Celtics handle their front court rotation in a different matchup because obviously Joel Embiid is just a very unique player in the NBA he's the biggest strongest force that any of any center and playing against him, you just kind of need sheer strength. And so Vonley in that matchup alone might be a better matchup than he w- will be against most teams. Uh, and Luke Cornett might be a better matchup against most teams than he is against Embiid. Um, but he didn't play at all. He, he didn't play either in like the dry run of the final preseason game, even though he was available that's been interesting to me. Um, and Vonley was pretty good. Like, there were a couple of times he arrived late on rotations and fouled. And there were a couple of times, like, there was one play, he just dropped a rebound uh, and allowed a second chance point. By the way, Celtics rebounding was, like, under fire for the entire preseason and then they gave up four offensive rebounds and I think just one putback bucket the entire game against a Sixers team that's pretty big with PJ Tucker and Tobias Harris around Joel Embiid so I I thought that was pretty impressive how well they rebounded especially with Horford missing as much time as he did I guess I shouldn't really say that because Vonley is probably the best rebounder on the team but uh Jason Tatum with 12 rebounds was huge. And I just thought Tatum, forget just the scoring. He had timely he the had defense. timely doubles. He he was everywhere on Embiid. And I thought the first two minutes of the game kind of set a tone. Like the first touch for the 76ers, Embiid gets in the post, does a turnaround, and Jalen Brown is right there to swat it away. And then like a minute later, Tyrese Maxey is driving to the cup. Against most guys, he probably scores a layup. Tatum is just there to engulf his attempt. And it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like that that's why these guys are so good. Not just because they can score, but because they can also 
really make things difficult for a wide variety of players on the defensive end. Um, and Tate, Tatum was unbelievable. He was just, I thought that was just such a sharp game from him, both ends of the court. And he missed out on a couple assists where he found guys wide open in the corner who just didn't knock down the shot. Um, but he had a, a phenomenal game. The defense I thought was pretty impressive from the Celtics. They just did. I don't think Joel Embiid had his finest performance. Um, some would say he treated the fourth quarter like the conference finals and just uh, failed to show up. Um, I Some might say that. Others might not. But I thought the defense, especially in the third quarter, like when the Sixers are clicking, it's going to be very difficult to stop the James Harden, uh, Joel Embiid pick and roll. Like there's just not a great answer for it. I thought Harden could have been a little bit more aggressive and just trying to go into his float game. But with that being said, they ran that repeatedly. And I thought the Celtics just did a good job of, I mean, they, they didn't completely shut it down but just making life as difficult as possible for James Harden, for Joel Embiid, um, kind of the help defenders, just kind of knowing that that was there. You're going to let a let uh, kind of um, PJ Tucker get some shots and Tobias Harris get some shots, but the amount of attention they paid to Joel Embiid and uh, James Harden, I think it led to, it was five turnovers in that third quarter, which led to 11 points. Like that's really where they extended the lead was there's just a couple of possessions where they ratcheted up the defensive intensity uh, and I'm, I feel like this, I was when they were with a smaller lineup um, uh, and Von line wasn't necessarily in, in the game at this point, whether it was smaller, whether it be Grant or, or Malcolm Brogdon, but I thought they were just really good, doing a good job of swarming to the ball and swarming to that action. Um, and so despite not having Robert Williams, there wasn't this like big defensive letdown because they have this core that's been doing it for so long. It, the way they defended, and maybe it was just a matchup again, Embiid is just a, totally unique player in in today's NBA. But it reminded me of how they defended when they had Gordon Hayward next to Tatum and Brown and played small and doubled everything and were always doubling, recovering in rotation and just so fast and taking advantage of their speed um, when they were smaller. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it reminded what it reminded me of. And, I just thought Tatum and Brown, especially like there were times when they were so good with their help and just like how many turnovers did Embiid have? He seemed to always be a little unsure of of what the Celtics were doing against him. And and I just thought the the way the Celtics use their speed on both ends of the court was really impressive. And they talked all preseason about how they want to push the pace. And then they really took advantage of the 76ers in transition. And the 76ers are a bad transition defense team. Like James Harden is known to just not really give a shit in those moments. And there were several times when Tatum or Brown were just running the fast break and Harden was just waving as they went by. And the Celtics, especially in the third quarter when the Celtics were pulling away, they they were getting stops. They were pushing it in transition. They they really really looked to push the pace after at every opportunity, and that's totally different than it was last season. Like they were a bad transition team last year. They were not effective on the break, especially for a team that that has as many options as they do. 
the numbers were not good. I think cleaning the glass had them at 27th, the 27th best transition team, which when you have Jalen Brown, when you have Jason Tatum, like it's just weirdly bad. Um, it just shows that the habits weren't there, but, but that's all they've stressed is like the pace playing faster. And, and you could see it. The, uh, one takeaway I had, and this is probably just totally overreacting. Um, Go off. That's why we're here. Overreacting to one game sample size. But Jason Tatum has – it's weird because he's like a, a really good three-point shooter. Um, But he's never been a great mid-range shooter. And I think he was in the 51st percentile last year. He was in the 53rd percentile the year before on long mid-range shots. Um, it just felt like he was able to get to his spot, keep his base, and get the shot he wanted. And I don't know whether that's off-season work. I don't know whether that's getting stronger. I don't know whether it's just a one-game fluke that will eventually regress to the mean. But he was doing it against P.J. Tucker. He was doing it against James Harden, who's actually like good in the post at defending and is really strong and stuff like that. And he was just shooting over the top with no problems. And if he gets to that point where that's a good shot for him, it's like the Kevin Durant zone where what the fuck are you going to do? And there's nothing at all that you can do. And I just, I just felt like, if that is real and if he is hitting those shots with that type of consistency and he's not going to shoot, I think he shot 71% on mid-range shots yesterday. So it was going to be an aberration no matter what, but it was just like every shot seemed like a good one. And every shot seemed like it was in rhythm and every shot seemed like it was a shot he wanted to take, not the shot the defense wanted from him. And I don't know. Like I said, maybe I'm overreacting, but but that really stood out, just how comfortable and confident he was at getting to the spots he wanted. And it felt like that kind of forced P.J. Tucker, like if he's able to hit that shot over the top, uh, it just makes, like Tatum very much felt in control of the offense the entire game. And so if P.J. Tucker was playing up on him, Tatum was just like got to the line uh, pretty easily after that and was able to just kind of use his body kind of do kind of rip through moves uh and got to the line ethically i would say unlike some people in the in this game <laughs> um but nine free throws but he just felt like in complete control of the offense uh when he had the ball and that was just in kind of like the the iso situation situations i thought he did he ended with four assists i mentioned he had he could have had a couple more but i thought the celtics just played like a pretty they didn't. The, there was sometimes when the offense kind of bogged down, and you you expect that because it's a forty-eight minute basketball game. But it wasn't just like this is going to be Jason Tatum ISO mode. Certainly, you had those moments, but I just thought the offense played well. They made a lot of passes, and there's just so much more talent on the floor when a guy like Grant Williams. Um, and we can talk about him not getting an extension, but his ability just like I just knocked down all three threes that he took but then just that like, one three he hit was, was such, absolute garbage such malarkey well his first layup was also uh absolute kind of malarkey but i have to give him credit for he's so much improved off the dribble and so like the pump fake and getting to the rim 
just so put so much more pressure on the rim, just like having him and Brogdon off the bench of just being able to, both guys can knock down threes, but both guys can pump and then go and then create more shots. I just thought the Celtics just had great passing and ball movement yesterday. And it's just like, it just shows their depth where like any guy they put on the court other than Vonley, uh, I would say is going to give them just a chance to kind of be that dynamic on offense. And so Va- Vonley had some nice passes too. He did. He did as a role man. Vonley made some nice passes to the corner. Um, but just like, I thought Grant was just, he's clearly improved and clearly more confident in like, okay, if you're going to completely show on this three, I will like take it to the rim and, and, either score or like uh, be able to make a play there. And I just thought like the second half, I think is more indicative of what the rotation is going to be. I was actually kind of surprised to see Von lay the first one off the bench, but the second half grant played, I think 15 minutes, Von lay only seven. I, I would expect to see grant like to factor more in that big man rotation, but he's clearly shown something. Uh, and may, I think after that performance, he's, he's happy with his decision not to take an extension because he seems like he's earning himself quite a bit of money. Yeah, still eighty-one games to go, um, but but we'll see there. The uh, what one thing that's really stood out is just and you you brought up the passing, but it's just like how many passers the Celtics have, and how quickly they transitioned from a team that didn't have enough passing to you look out on the court and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who have both improved as passers too, are now surrounded by Al Horford, who's one of the smartest big men of the generation. And Marcus Smart, who dimes people up. And Malcolm Brogdon, who can make a lot of plays. And Derek White, who always seems to make the right play. And Robert Williams, when he gets back, is a really, really good passer for a center. Grant Williams, another high IQ guy. It's like, Brad Stevens, when he took over, said, I want to surround those two guys with players who accentuate them. And passing is a big part of that because as much as they've improved, that's not like the best part of their game. And I just think the the supporting cast is really wisely built with not just guys who can all defend and be tough, but they can all pass. They just know how to play. Um and that's part of why the the offense has looked so s- smooth and sharp, and that's part of why Brockton has has fit in as well as he has so far. And I think that that's that's part of the reason why there should be so much excitement about how much scoring this group could do. And I think that's the real question. Like clearly, the scoring and the offense is going to be there. It's whether or not when they go small, uh, especially in the time when Time Lord is out, can their defense be? sustainable and I think the thing you worry about the most and it's interesting that these are their first two matchups of the season is like how they deal with big men especially with like the thin center rotation so um, I don't know if you can really draw that much from this Embiid game because clearly Embiid was just off Uh, I mean he still finished with the you know 20 a casual 26 and 14 on a bad night for Embiid but then you got Bam on Friday night Uh, but there's not that many kind of talented centers in this league where it's like um, the Celtics really won't be able to play small. And so I think it's like, how much can the the defense hold up um, when they are playing small? Because that just allows them to have that much more dynamic of offense. And if they're playing that kind of swarming defense with a bunch of switchable guys, Brogdon, um, what, 6'5", 6'6", uh, smart player on defense, on defense. Like if they can kind of 
if that defense with a smaller lineup is sustainable, it feels like the Celtics are just going to uh, score a lot of points and win a lot of track meets uh, just because this offense, uh, it's going to be very hard for other teams to stop. Yeah. Um, I was a little surprised Hauser didn't play that much. His two stints were like the shortest stints yeah, of all time. One of them was under a minute. It was like 50 seconds. It was like, oh, Sam Hauser's out there. No, he's not. <laughs> he's gone. Uh, and again, that that could be part of the matchup. Joel Embiid just requires a different level of size. You can't really be super small against him too much of the time. And so maybe Hauser's role was limited because of that. What did you think of Joe Mazzula's first game? And it's obviously hard to tell how much a coach impacts a team, especially in one single game. Um, but what were kind of your takeaways about his his start? Well, I mean, I have to reiterate my point I made last week. Coaching doesn't matter. But that being said, one and zero in challenges. So the uh, congrats to him for challenging that obvious thing. I don't know. I thought I'm a more suspect of Vonley. I was just very surprised Vonley was the first guy off the bench when Horford got in foul trouble. Um, I was also surprised to see you know, eight minutes of Blake Griffin. Is uh, that a bad sign that Vonley was the first big off the bench? It's a bad sign for my Luke Cornette stock, uh, but I don't know if they're just trying to, like, get him back in game shape. But, like, does that mean Blake Griffin's just kind of done and Luke Cornette's not good enough? I mean, Vonley's, like, the most athletically gifted player, right, at this point, in just terms of, like, if you're just trying to put out pure athletes out there to guard. I don't know about his like decision making and skills. Yeah, but like, do I think Blake Griffin has a lot left? No. Do did he look very exposed when James Harden had him one on one? Absolutely, he slapped the hell out of his arm. Uh, and, and then someone shared it. someone shared a clip on Twitter <laughs> of the like all the lengths the Celtics went to not have Blake Griffin in in screening actions, and it was it was really impressive how well. They were pre-switching and all that. Um, but there was one play in particular when the Sixers were trying to get the Blake Griffin matchup and Griffin just just ran away. <laughs> he, <laughs> he just, it was, I mean, he didn't really run away, but but he switched with somebody else to get that person in the action and then was just a help defender the rest of the way. Um, and it, it showed how smart the Celtics are, how, how they can think on the fly, but also showed like okay, Griffin is probably a little bit of a defensive liability at this point. I think that's the question is, and I think, again, that's why we, I think we, you went away or went away from Vonley a little bit more in the second half, where it's like, how many lineups are they going to need to put out there that have Vonley or Griffin or Cornette in them? I think the hope is that Horford and Grant Williams can kind of allow you to survive kind of uh, any of those moments and then going small and, and getting uh, Jason Tatum at the four. Uh, I know that I think that's not like your ideal solution. You want him to kind of probably rest and not have to like guard a, a bigger guys or guard up. But I think it's definitely like, I think if you're trying to zero in on the biggest concern for the Celtics and it's something we talked about all off season is like the, how thin they are at center. But I guess I just don't know how big of a problem it's going to be um, just considering, like, you have enough guys 
right now in Brant Horford and Tatum at the Ford, I think cover the, the, that kind of front court. Uh, I just don't know what happens if like an, an injury happens, then do we have to see extended Vonley, extended Cornette, extended Blake Griffin? Blake Griffin, by the way, a lot of love from the Celtics fans. I didn't, I, I don't know. I was surprised by that. Like, Someone someone sitting near guy. me in the press section said, Blake Griffin, someone the fans know, replaces Noah Vonley as someone they have no idea who he is, and they're happy about it. Yeah, local guy. Hey, Although, own Va- Noah Vonley. Va- they got to know who Vonley is. He is a he is a local guy, but like I don't, I don't think it's a huge issue, but it could be a bigger issue moving forward. But if this team stays healthy, then I think like you know what, fifteen to twenty minutes of Vonley isn't going to like be the reason you lose a basketball game. And that's that's how good the Celtic centers have to be. Like, just don't be the reason the Celtics lose a basketball game. That's it. <laughs> get get some rebounds, play a little defense. Don't screw things up. You don't have to. You don't have to score a ton of points. You don't have to make incredible passes all the time. You don't have to be a great defender. Just don't fuck up repeatedly. That's that's kind of how it's going to go for Celtic centers. Um, we got to talk about Mar- Marcus Smart and Joel Embiid because what a quote from Marcus Smart. And he was talking about the maturity of of the Celtics team and how they have improved uh, just their growth and focus and all that. And then, and then he was asked about Joel Embiid and he said that how he handled the dust up with Embiid actually showed maturity because <laughs> didn't he reach out and try to trip him <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he did reach out and try to trip but he him, did it maturely. but he, he could have cracked his head but he didn't and that showed maturity and i i kind of i kind of well it was first of all it was the funniest quote ever i could have cracked his head but i didn't that that's maturity right there um but also, I was kind of like, yeah, you know what? That that is maturity. <laughs> he did he did not fully engage. Like he tripped him and wasn't happy with him, but then was able to calm down and just keep playing basketball. Um, and Al Horford like literally called everyone over, like pointed at the bench, had all the bench players come over and told the guys to keep our composure. And I think the Celtics. Like they're well aware of how they need to improve after the way the finals went. And they know they need to keep their composure in big moments. They know they can't let games slip away from them. They know their execution late in games has to be better. Joe Mazzulla brought that up last night, even though there was no crunch time last night. He said, it's been a real focus for us to have late game execution. Um, that's something we discussed as a staff all summer. That's something that we've talked about with the players. Um, and I just felt like in that moment when shit could have gone sideways because smart was pissed off and the crowd was going crazy and you're playing Embiid and Harden and they were both really hot, uh, especially Harden in that first half, like it, it struck me just how intent the Celtics were on using that moment and staying composed because I feel like they understand it's not about 
the first game of the season. It's about later on, and it's about what they need to become. And that in itself shows maturity. Like, they're thinking in the first game of the season about the weaknesses that kept them short last year. And that's the stuff that you want to see from them, I think. That's that's how you want them to use the loss to Golden State um, to grow up and and take possession by possession and really value them. And I, I just felt like not necessarily like the situation itself, but just the way that the Celtics reacted to it and how how much value they put on staying composed in that moment kind of matters. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, Jason Tatum said after the game, quoting Brad Stevens, it's only one game, not going to get too high, get too low. But to also quote Brad Stevens, it's about like the course of the season is about building championship habits. And I think there's a lot they can take from last year to see how much further they need to go to actually get over that uh, threshold and win the championship. But kind of the approach now of like everything we are doing in game one through game 82 is building towards that championship. And we might like have to do things the right way from the first night they just seem very locked in from all the kind of quotes in, in preseason and the quotes ha- after this game uh, about their approach. And so I think we, it's just been impressive how, how focused they are and how much like that is their goal. It's clear. We are trying to get back to the championship. We are going to be start building those championship habits tonight on game one. And I, I think I just appreciated the the kind of the toughness about it. And, but the, Sometimes trying to be too tough can lead to like lack of composure. But I thought that was interesting that Horford kind of called everyone in and said like, that's been our thing. Like we need to stay composed. We need to stay what we're doing. It's insane that we've been recording for this long and we haven't talked about James Harden shimmying and then airballing. Just a, just the shimmy was electric. Just, just electric. 
Yeah, I'm I'm always gonna be a shimmy guy. It just the more shimmies we can get in this game, the better. Because think about that moment without a shimmy would have just been a regular moment. Like Smart tried to get a foul, Harden missed a shot badly. Yeah, it would have been run of the mill flop, just an unforgettable moment. But you add the shimmy to it. You add the shimmy to basically anything, and it just just adds electricity. So that was special. That was special. Absolutely special. And then Smart drew a f- offensive foul on Joel Embiid the very next play. Oh, that was, was such a, total, a smart sequence. A such a smart, smart momentum shifter. That happened. And then I think the Celtics hit a couple threes and just like it completely uh, put the Celtics back in that game. What do you think of Harden? This is like the new look Sixers. He's supposed to come back with uh, better shape. He got the Celtics in the first half on the um, three step back threes uh, we were hit, where he was fouled. Um, he finished the game 35 points, seven assists, eight boards. Like I thought he did a pretty good job in terms of playmakers a couple of times where he's just like nice dump off passes. He certainly looked like kind of like the James Harden of old. I think the problem with the 76ers last night was really like Joel was not that dynamic and their offense just didn't look great, especially as like Noah Vonley came into the game and they didn't go to Joel Embiid and they didn't like, it didn't feel like they knew exactly what they were trying to do on offense or like emphasizing getting Embiid post touches. With that being said, like Harden Embiid pick and roll, pretty hard to defend. Maxi Embiid pick and roll, also pretty hard to defend. And I thought Maxi was pretty impressive with his uh, mid range game. And so I thought, like, I don't think this is going to be necessarily representative of what the Sixers are, but uh, I think they need to be more organized on, on offense in terms of what they're doing. But they're they're certainly still a dangerous basketball team. I'm going to have a hot take because Harden was awesome uh, offensively. Defensively, he was so lazy and so bad in so many different possessions. Um, But if I were a 76ers fan, I would be – less than optimistic about the way he looked because he hit a ton of threes. He got fouled on a ton of step backs. That was how he scored. James Harden, when he's moving right, when he's in shape, when he's in his prime, like he just got by everybody and he wasn't really getting by guys last night. He wasn't able to just break down the defense. Looking Um, at his uh, shot profile right now, he only had one layup, one other uh, paint, score and then the rest of it and I guess a floater at the foul line but yeah most of his scoring came from beyond the arc and at the foul line and he was I thought he did a good job of like dumping things off in terms of attacking the rim you're right it wasn't there for him it wasn't there and and he looked exactly the same there was a lot of talk about how he changed his body lost weight he looked exactly the same uh so I I honestly if I were a 76ers fan I wouldn't be like super pessimistic about it because James Harden was amazing. And James Harden, even last year, Harden offensively for them was really good. He averaged like 11 assists or whatever. But if you want him to become the guy he used to be or get closer to that, I don't think yesterday was a good example of that. I, I just I just feel like there's a, a level of penetration that he just can't get to anymore. And... And that doesn't mean he can't be good. Like, he's really, really dangerous. Obviously, the Celtics fouled him a ton of times just because his step back is crazy and he's a, a wizard. But I've got 
I'd be a little down on it. And his defense was so fucking bad. Like, there were so <laughs> many plays. So many plays that he was just waving and letting go, guys go by. It was bad. And it, it was kind of, their defense really did struggle. It was weird that you didn't. Tybal got in the game for 23 seconds. There's a lot of DeAnthony Melton and Daniel House Jr. Melton, um, good. Melton was played pretty well. Um, but, you know, like when you have a guy who's second team all defense and you have these giant wings for the Celtics, maybe you think of putting Tybal in the game. But this, the Sixers defense really didn't put up much of a, a struggle uh, or much resistance against the Celtics. Uh, the last thing for me, how badly do you feel for Peyton Pritchard, man? DNP, this guy's just never going to get on the game. He's just like, should they just trade Pritchard now to to be nice to him? Even in the even the clip after the game when they were dousing Joe Missoula with the water, I saw that too. It was just a sad Peyton Pritchard, uh, real real half ass water douse uh, there from a guy who had not sweat the entire evening. The uh, yeah, he's just he's just unfortunate that they picked up a guy who plays his position and does it better than he does. That's that's the second year in a row that they have landed someone to push <laughs> Pritchard out of the rotation. Last year, he survived it and uh, eventually unburied himself. But I don't think he's getting unburied this year. If if the Celtics stay healthy, like they just have guys over him, guys who can defend, guys who have size. Malcolm Brogdon, much better playmaker, creator. So I still think his shooting can be useful. Um, but, but they don't need a six, one shooter right now. And that's, that's the Peyton pressure problem. All right. We'll wrap it up here with one final question. What do you think of the Celtics bill Russell jerseys? I think they look like bucks jerseys, but they're honoring bill Russell. So I will not lodge any complaints. The jerseys are terrible. Uh, <laughs> but the, the ceremony was really nice. And the the poem was well done the song black Black singing the anything is potable song was was well done and then jalen brown clearly put a lot of thought into what he said and you don't see that very often where like usually when players speak before a game it's just saying like hey uh, thanks for coming out guys for coming out but but you could tell Jalen really wanted to honor Bill Russell with his words, and I, I, I thought I thought that was cool too. Um, just how much respect he showed by even wanting to put that much work into creating a, a little speech. And Steve Buckley of the Athletic uh, wrote a cool piece. So he interviewed Jalen Brown about kind of uh, interviewing. And, and kind of the importance of Bill Russell to the organization. So check that out uh, on the athletic subscribe to the athletic. It's the place to read Jay King uh, all season long about the Celtics. Uh, it's a great place to uh, listen to this. Anything is possible podcast. If you like the podcast uh, rate it five stars, subscribe, tell a friend and Jay, they let me back downstairs, baby. Jam Packer. I was shocked to see Packer. Room. I was shocked to see Packer last night. It was a beautiful thing. Jay did a double take. He saw me walking uh, uh, around down there. They still will not let me anywhere near the locker room, which is a crusade we'll have to fight uh, as the season goes on. Got to rise the tears uh, among the Celtics media. But Jay, I got to say, halftime snack selection uh, in the media room was lacking. Uh, not a lot of chocolate available and 
of the chips available, a lot of gross flavor chips. And so my question for you is discussing media halftime snacks. Is that potable? Yes. And sometimes you just got to go without a snack and actually do work during halftime. Oh, that's not what I do. Um, just take a piss and work like a regular man. <laughs> that's fair. I would agree. As you uh, saw from that statement from Jay King, anything is potable. Anything is potable. Anything is potable! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.